0: Welcome to Donuts and Chill, the podcast where we sample all the tasty bits of art, visual science, donuts, and chill. I'm Val Catley. I'm Nung And today, we're talking about zines and reanimation. Today, I want to talk about the art world's long-standing love affair with zines. Zines are at the heart of any grassroots fan base. If you're unfamiliar with this concept, Zines are traditionally low-budget or no-budget magazines, made by an individual or by a small passionate group, and then distributed to a niche audience, often for free. The idea of the zine was popularized by punk and other indie music scenes in the 70s and 80s, long before the days of punknews.org. When you think about it, zines were really the lifeblood of punk subculture. How else are underground teenagers with bad attitudes playing shows in someone's basement going to grow an audience without fans spreading the gospel? So, where else might you find the same kind of DIY attitude and rabid fan bases as you find with punk music? Why, indie comics and illustrators, of course. Zines have been a staple in the world of underground artists for decades, or one could argue for centuries. After all, Weren't the illuminated manuscripts kind of like a zine? Those were like the independently produced Bibles and religious texts that got passed around in the olden days, the ye oldy days, because there were no printing presses. So everything was kind of very DIY. Okay, so maybe I'm reaching with that metaphor, but the basic idea is that a zine is a way for indie creators to reach like-minded audiences without the backing of any established organizations. You can just check out any comic convention or artist alley, and you're bound to find a wealth of booklets that are lovingly curated, printed, and assembled by hand. I used to work for um, a comics artist, and he had, he had zines that he just sold at conventions at a limited quantity, and those are, li- like, those are literally made in, on the floor of my apartment Um, when I was in college so (laughs) it's very it's a very DIY thing
1: what's that convention in Japan that's just indie comics is it comic cat oh I don't know comic cat it's a convention about self-published works but I think a lot the majority of it is just like fanfic oh yeah but it's a giant convention with like thousands of people well yeah because there's like um there's those, like, fan,
0: uh, fan manga. Doujinshi? Doujinshi? Yeah. Is that how
1: you pronounce it? I don't know. Mm.
0: I'm very bad with Japanese words. I always mess them up. But yeah, that's, that's basically a zine. But you just re- actually reminded me. You know, I was talking a little bit about comic cons and artist alleys, But, I mean, they're specifically conventions for zines and people who make them. Uh, there's one called the Small Press Expo. Um it's a it's a well-kept secret, right? It's a, It's a well-known big celebration of these small time operations. So yeah, I, I would recommend to anybody listening to check out and see any any small press or indie comics conventions in your area. And hopefully when you're listening to this, events like that are happening. <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed.
1: I mean, there has to be one that's closer. Maybe because it's zines, like, it's just a little too niche. Because I know there are more indie comic and, like, animation conventions around here, but not zine-focused. Yeah,
0: and, well, and that's the funny thing, too, is, like, there probably are some near us that we may not know of because of the whole indie nature of zines. I've been to a bookstore where they have a section that's just a zine library, where you can't purchase any of the zines, but they are free for you to um, poke through. And that's uh, Crack Skulls Coffee and Books, if you're ever in that area. I don't know why you would be, but hey, they're a great place.
1: I mean, I will now that I know that, and hopefully I'll remember if I ever ever come by near Neck the Woods.
0: Wherever you find
1: them, the zines that you
0: come across will share a common theme, style, character, etc. They can be an homage to a sport, to a trope, to a subculture. They can be or pretty much any concept you can think of, really. I've, I've, seen, I've seen zines for everything. And fanzines, which are specifically zines made for and by the lovers of a particular piece of media, are a huge, huge part of the overall zine universe. Which So that's kind of where the rest of this episode is going. So apparently, the first known fanzine was Spockanalia, a Star Trek zine, started in 1967. And after that, Slash zines were quick to follow. Slash, by the way, if you're not familiar, refers to same-sex pairings such as Kirk slash Spock. Slash fan fiction is another topic I'm kind of an expert on, but that is a conversation for another day.
1: Oh, my.
0: I don't know. I just just thought that was a really interesting and kind of funny bit of trivia. Because, of course, of course it was a Star Trek scene. Of course it was. And then the fact that, like, they specified... Oh, yeah, the Kirk slash Spock stuff was immediately... Out the gate, and I was like, "Of course, slash fan fiction." Like, you you know the you know the rules of the internet. Have you ever heard that?
1: Yeah, I don't know like, all if, of them, but
0: if something exists, there's um inappropriate material about it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if something exists, there is slash fan fiction about it.
1: Is is that where the term slash came from? Is the backwards? I I don't know what the symbol is. I think it's a forward slash.
0: But yes, I'm I'm pretty sure that's where the, I'm pretty sure that's why it's called Slash because it's Kirk slash Spock, Harry slash Draco. What's another pairing that makes me vaguely uncomfortable? I don't want to, I don't want to shout out any of the ones that like I have written fan fiction about. (laughs) I don't need anyone digging that up. Or do I?
1: (laughs) Isn't that how we got Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey? Didn't those both start us? Fan fiction hey
0: yeah i think you're right actually i think that yeah i think 50 shades of gray was twilight fanfic originally but like i think it was like au which stands for alternate universe fanfiction gosh are we going to do a fanfiction episode should do a dramatic reading of an old fanfic
1: <laughs> or if anyone listening has a fanfic that you would like us to read Send it to us at questions at donutsandshield dot com.
0: Oh my gosh, we we if we can get enough submissions, we should totally do like listener stories, listener <laughs> listener fiction. Yes, please please write us mail. We think that'd be really fun to have a mailbox segment with y'all. But you know what, Nung? This isn't a fan fiction episode. This is a zine episode. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that train rolling. As you can imagine, in recent years, zine creators have utilized the internet in their efforts. And now more than ever, folks can find their people, their tribe, those who share whatever it is they're passionate about. Personally, I've seen many zines come up through sites like Tumblr and Twitter. Not only does the internet allow for a much wider net to be cast by way of an audience, but to continue this metaphor, it also allows for fishing a much deeper pool of talent. So maybe the 15 artists who meet at your local cafe don't all have a passion for the 1980s Legend of Zelda cartoon, but you bet your ass you can find 15 of those artists on the internet. And while many zines are simply a labor of love, one could also potentially use crowdfunding sites to establish artist compensation through pre-sales. And actually, if you want to just jump in and explore the world of zines without a specific topic in mind, there's a really cool Twitter account aptly called at fanzines that's worth checking out. The The account is just fanzines and they have a wealth of information and lots of cool stuff to check out. It's very neat. Fun way to kill an evening.
1: Yeah. And if you happen to be in Cambridge, Mass, there's a free zine library called Papercut Zine Library. They're currently closed because of our dear old friend Ms. Rona, but you can check out their retro collection on papercutzinelibrary.com. So, do you know any zines that went through the process of doing pre-sales?
0: Not uh, not specifically off the top of my head. Usually they'll they'll leak in advance like, okay, here are some of the artists working with us or here's a little bit of the content that's going to be in it. We're aiming to print in September pre-order now. I, I, I couldn't give you a specific example off the top of my head, but I've definitely seen that. And it's usually, I mean, A, to cover the costs of printing stuff and putting it together. But I would say if there's not already examples of zines that have used crowdfunding to pay or share profits with the artists, it seems like very possible through the resources that we That we now have, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, it's kind of like a GoFundMe, but they're going to make the product anyway. So it's just more of income to help people print it and people who contribute to the zine.
0: Almost like a tip jar, sort of, but that is something that you'll run into a little bit more in modern day with zines, is that you, you are usually asked to pay a small fee as opposed to just, like, something free you grab at a show. Which, I mean, those free zines, of course, still also exist. But it's a little bit more common now to actually um, pay at least something for the hard work of <laughs> the people who put it together. Especially because, like, now they're shipping. They'll be shipping zines across the country, the globe, whatever. So there's sh- shipping fees, which are, you know, a new concept when you think about the punk rock scenes of the seventies or whatever. And actually, kind of dovetailing that concept and your comment about the paper cut zine library in Cambridge. In Boston there's also a indie comics
1: expo. No, it's called the It's mice. I don't remember what it stands for. <laughs> I just know it's mice.
0: Yes, it's the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo. yeah, mice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So Obviously, you know, if you don't live in Boston, that specific one is not necessarily an option, but just the point being there's there's lots of lots of little things like that all over the place to check out.
1: Yeah, I would be really surprised if there isn't an indie comic expo in any major city. There has to be yeah, one.
0: Totally. Even if it's called something different. So, keep keep your ear to the ground. You'll find some cool stuff. All right. So, after all this, By now, you're probably wondering, when is Val going to connect this to animation?
1: Yeah, Val, zines are great and everything, but what does it have to do with animation?
0: Well, thank you for asking. Here's your answer. Outside of traditional fanzines inspired by animated content, the internet has also allowed for a new breed of zines, usually called reanimations. Now, this is still kind of a new concept, so I don't think you'll find a lot of these out there. But it's super interesting and super fun and some really, really beautiful stuff has come out of it. So let's dig in here. Some people will argue that these reanimations aren't zines at all. But to them I say, screw you. The reason I'm kind of combining these two topics is because to me, reanimations are still a collaboration of passionate fans working together to celebrate a shared interest. They're absolutely animated zines. The idea is that a group of animators come together to recreate or reinterpret an episode or a scene from an existing property. And I'll give give some specific examples a little later on. Each artist who participates is usually given a segment anywhere from a few frames to a few seconds. And they all work independent of one another. Sometimes the goal is simply to recreate the scene with a new visual style. And sometimes the artist is given complete total freedom to do whatever they will. This results in a chaotic, fun, and often stunning final product.
1: Do you think the reason why that there aren't a lot of reanimations out there is not only because it's new, but it animation just requires a buttload time of work, yeah, absolutely. And from the ones that I
0: have seen, you know it it takes first of all a huge huge amount of organization at the get-go, you know, you have to find a big enough kind of audience who will commit to this idea. Cause if I just say, Oh, I'm going to reanimate an episode of Avatar, the last airbender. Well, I need to find enough reliable, talented artists who are a willing and be able to contribute to the project. And then I also probably want An a bigger (laughs) audience of just the contributing artists, right? So it's it's a huge it's a huge thing to even start up, and then you know finding the artists that you're going to work with, and splitting up whatever episode or scene you're working with, and saying like, okay, this artist gets seconds one through three, and this artist gets seconds three through six, and so on and so forth, and then like like you're alluding to. Animation itself is a very time-consuming process, and since these are labors of love, they're, it's not a job, it's not a paid position, it's something you're doing in your free time, so it relies on your availability, each artist's availability. And then putting it together in the end, that whoever organizes the project, they then have to wrangle however many artists, and in the examples I have coming up, it's literally hundreds of artists, and Sometimes getting like five artists together on a project is a pain in the butt. So I can't even imagine <laughs> coordinating all these different <laughs> artists.
1: Just courting our schedules to do this podcast is hard enough, right? let alone hundreds of people.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a massive undertaking. So yeah, they usually take minimum several months. Lowball estimate, give it a year, right? Although I suppose that depends on how much you're animating. If you're animating like a one minute segment, a one minute joke from a TV show, you know, that's different than reanimations of an entire episode. Would you
1: want to do it? Would you want to reanimate an episode of Avatar? (laughs) Or a clip?
0: I mean, what are you asking? Because I would love to be involved in a reanimation project, but I would not want to organize
1: one. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it would just end up being a joint Donuts and Jill project <laughs> where like we're, we each have a role. I don't know how I'm going to animate stuff, although it'll be something new I can learn. But I don't know. We, we can definitely do a clip if we get enough people together. Just reanimate like our favorite memes from the show. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, like I said, I have a couple of specific examples that I'm going to share with you. The earliest example of a reanimation that I'm aware of is called Moon Animate Makeup, a reanimation project of an episode of Sailor Moon, which was created by over 250 artists between 2013 and 2014. And its 2016 follow up, Moon Animate Makeup 2, had over 300 contributors.
1: Yeah, so that reminds me of the Sailor Moon redraw challenge I went viral last year. If you want to get a sense of what kind of different animation styles or just drawing preferences that people have.
0: Yeah, that's a really good example of, you know, that was one still frame. That was one image from Sailor Moon. And it was just a challenge for artists to literally just draw that same frame in their own style.
1: and Yeah, because didn't you do one too?
0: I did. I did. I did draw the Sailor Moon panel. And um, yeah, it was really, really fun to see that unfold because it's not a particularly difficult scene. It's just Sailor Moon kind of looking off camera with a simple background. So, you know, it was really open to artists of all kinds of you know skill levels and media some people went really really fun with it some people more or less tried to recreate it which is also very cool and yeah i just i just kind of yeah drew as if okay someone's describing a scene for me to draw and i just draw it i mean that's a great exercise for any artist to kind of do in their sketchbook anyway is redrawing things and learning learning how other styles work but also learning how to adapt things into your own style
1: i think my favorite style that i saw was the jojo sailor moon (laughs) because it's jojo
0: yeah special place in my heart for that one too but yeah um that is a great idea if you you know are browsing the hashtag for the sailor moon redraw challenge and you you see how all these different artists interpret That challenge. It's yeah. It's a great way to think about how these reanimation projects work.
1: I mean, that's also kind of how I started learning how to draw. Was just redrawing Salomon characters and redrawing Pokemon from the Pokemon handbook. I wonder if we still have that. Yeah, I'm gonna do some digging. Dang. I had the How to Draw Manga book. I had. I don't think I had the first one. I
0: definitely had the second one. Oh, I think I think I just had the first one. The one with the blue hair on the cover. But yeah, I mean, same. All I, all I drew as a little kid was other cartoons. Like, I don't have to go off on a tangent about that, but yeah. So circling back to the concept of an animated zine, the other one I want to give a shout out to, of course, is the Steven Universe projects called Gem Animate 1, 2, and 3. There's some jaw-dropping artistry, and everyone involved from start to finish is a hero. Like, these were huge projects, and I know the organizers went through a lot of work and headaches getting them together, but they did, and they're super, super cool and fun to watch. Yeah, so I guess those reanimation projects that I've mentioned are part of my recommendation for the week. But wait, there's more! I want to talk about a specific project that was actually the kind of inspiration jumping off point for this episode. And so that is a group called the Late Night Work Club, LNWC. They are, by their own definition, quote, a loose, rotating collective of indie animators, end quote. Their purpose is just to put together anthologies of original short works, all surrounding a common theme. I'm going to quote again from their website, Quote, it's being made late at night when other people have gone to sleep and on weekends when everyone else is out. It's being made by students, freelancers, full timers, and folks with unrelated day jobs. It means something to us. It's our scene, end quote. So you can see how this embodies the spirit of zines. They're making content that, again, I, you know, I shouldn't even say making content, but they're making work that's important to them, that they're passionate about, and they're sharing it with the world. This group, the Late Night Work Club, was formed in 2012, and they have since put out two anthologies. The first is Ghost Stories, and the second is Strangers. So my recommendation this week is to check both of those anthologies out. They're both available in full at latenightworkclub.com. And while you're there, check out some of the individual's works as well. They're putting out some of the best animated content in the world right now. And you've likely never even heard of most of them. One of the founders of the group, actually, their name is Scott Benson. And if you are familiar with the game Night in the Woods, he was the artist behind that project. I am a really, really big fan of his work, but also, again... The Late Night Work Club has also introduced me to other artists who are just blowing my mind, but they're not commercial artists. So, you know, we don't necessarily hear about them as much or unless you're Seth MacFarlane, people don't know a lot of animation artists, you know, as a household name. So definitely, definitely check them out. I'm probably going to make a lot of references to the works put out by these folks. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just, love the, I just love these artists and the work that they make. That's all I'm trying to get at here.
1: We should have a viewing party because Ooh. it's very unlikely I will take the time to watch these on my own. Like I just need someone to like kidnap me and just make me watch animated films.
0: <laughs> my gosh, we should totally have a watch party. We could do it
1: on Twitch. Yeah.
0: Oh, crap. See, I'm a
1: great producer.
0: yeah you come up with the best ideas that is such a good idea so keep your eyes peeled on our social media for information about that the last thing that i wanted to put out there is that the late night work club is actually the only group i know of putting out this sort of animated zine specifically so if you come across anything similar to this idea in your travels definitely definitely hit us up at Questions at donutsandchill.com. I would love to see more collectives and more projects like this if they're out
1: there. If you know any anime works that features a zine or has a zine in it, let us know. Because the only one I can think of is the old Nickelodeon show, Rocket Power.
0: So is there a Rocket Power zine?
1: Yes. Cool. Sort of. Sort of. Well, the character... In the show, Reggie Rocket, who is basically the only main female character in the show, she has her own zine in the show, and it became popular enough that they printed a Rocket-powered like zine in real life.
0: That's so cool. That is so cool. I love that.
1: That didn't last long, though. I think the show lasted four seasons. <laughs> it was like the tail end of Nicktoons and like Nick producing their own animation. Mm. Until like not really doing much of that. I think it was, I want to say nineteen ninety nine to two thousand four. Yeah, somewhere in that, in that vicinity.
0: Yeah, I remember watching some Rocket Power, but it wasn't it wasn't on my like heavy rotation. So I somehow missed, or maybe maybe I just forgotten about the zine subplot. That's really cool though, because yeah, that that makes sense because they were in kind of that like skater surfer subculture, and like you know even though they were kids um that's exactly kind of the sort of yeah again subculture that would have zines so
1: it was pretty cool yeah it was pretty much all extreme sports roller skating snowboarding yeah.
0: that's very i think i genuinely think that's very cool that they put that that little bit of flavor into the show and then that they that they made it a was nickelodeon the one who actually made the zine or did fans make the zine
1: i think it was a company produced zine for the okay. show Okay. Okay. So I'm not sure if it's like highly recommended because it's been so long. Like, maybe when I rewatch, I'm like, wow, this is really problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it didn't last that long. Yeah. Who knows? I, I don't know. I just remember like it just had really good timing because extreme sports were getting really popular. Again, ah, oh, the 90s, the turn of the millennium. Good times. <laughs> good times, question mark. I guess that's what your perspective
0: is. (laughs) Fair. So, yeah, I mean, zines, they're pretty cool. Keep an eye out. Keep an ear to the ground. Find some cool indie stuff going on in your local scene. Hey, if anyone wants to start a Donuts and Chill zine, you could get some articles about the two of us and some fan art of Dog Nut. And... (laughs)
1: I was about to say, if there isn't a zine in your local area, you can just make one of your own.
0: Yeah. Or make one on the internet. (laughs) That is the end of my script, my dear. I guess a little bit of a shorter episode.
1: I don't have anything else to
0: add. Okay.
1: Let's let's take this baby home. Thank you for joining us for this episode. And a special thank you to Michael Freitag, who composed our theme music. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Donuts and Chill. You can also support us on Patreon for extra bits you can't get anywhere else. Let us know what you thought of this episode and what topics you want us to cover on future episodes by emailing us at questions at donutsandchill.com. That's donuts, the letter N, chill.com. Until next time. Woggity wobbity, wobbity, rock it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> We're in the middle of our first heat wave of the season, so don't forget to get some of them juicy electrolytes. In the name of the moon, donuts and chill. Oh.